Hello and welcome back to yet another Let's Talk edition. Joined as always by Dan. How are you, Dan? How are, how's it going? Hey there, pal. How's it going, man? Life is great, and we're trying our very best to keep things afloat going forward. Amazing. I'm doing uh, well as myself as well. Thank you for asking. And today we're going to talk about human rights. Uh, you, you have rights. I have rights. We all have That's rights. That's right. We like to talk about them. <laughs> we like to cherish them. Um, so. First of all, I want to ask you, what are the rights that you personally cherish, that you have as a human being, that we acknowledge as societies to have? Well, can I be honest with you right now, right off the bat? Sure. Love honesty. I think the whole approach towards human rights, from my perspective, is just freaking nonsense. Now, this might come as a shocker to most of our listeners right now, because people somehow are wondering, like, oh, my gosh, human rights. But, dude, let's be honest. Anyone who has a little amount of studies in the science of power uh, will understand that, of course, human rights is something very nice. And there are a lot of things that basically people have their rights for. But quite frankly speaking, I really believe that in the modern world, with the current system of politics around us, I don't really believe that human rights are that important anymore because almost everything you say, I mean, for example, look at the U.S. right now, right? So we have this freedom of speech, right? But whatever you say, the critics will start using their own rights against you, and they start to criticize you for whatever whatever you said. Now, I myself, I believe in the importance of human life and valuing human life. But right now, think about the crisis in Yemen. For how long the U.S. government has ignored all of the murders done in the Yemen, by the Yemenis and by the Saudis and the havoc caused in that part of the region? How about, for example, Syria? How about a lot of other challenges? You see, I don't personally, I have nothing against human rights, but I do believe that uh, human rights are tremendously under attack these days. And those of us who actually want some human rights, we better you know, get a reality check because things have changed a lot. Oh, there's no doubt there. And I do agree with you. I do value human life. And one of those, well, I think one of the articles in Human Rights Actually, let me actually look at them um well i can't there's a lot of articles here but uh one of them is well obviously if you're not alive you talking about your rights wouldn't even matter would it <laughs> that's so, right so but bottom of the line that's the that's a no no brainer that's just like obviously uh, and uh, i do agree with you that um all these uh past couple of decades with uh, u.s foreign policy hasn't been the best uh, to say the least However, you mentioned that, for example, freedom of speech and some critics will exercise their own rights. And isn't that the point, though, with specifically with the freedom of speech? Because we, we have different opinions and who's to say I'm right and you're wrong or what, uh, the other way around. So we basically come up. Well, obviously, you can use different ways of negotiating and talking to each other. Um, you can go nasty. You can reason with each other. You can uh, challenge each other's opinions. And that's fine as well. So but the um, you know, the the. My view on free speech itself is that me and you exercise, we have our own opinion, we exercise our rights, and then we reason with each other. I'll go with you, say, why are you right or wrong, what I th why I think you're right or wrong, and then we, we come up with a better solution. We improve ourselves, both of us. Sometimes I'm of right, course. you're wrong, and all no. the way around. Yeah. I, I totally get your point, and I, I'm a huge fan of yeah, basically for the right to speech uh, and the fact that you want to actually be able to express your ideas. But... Think about this for a second. Every one of us, if, at least if you're an American citizen, for example, or if you're in, uh, in North America or in Europe, you do have basically your freedom of speech. It's part of the amendments. 
and that have been given to all American citizens, and you have the right to say whatever is on your mind. But here's a fact. What's the point of having the right to say whatever is on your mind if nobody is listening? You see, I personally believe that the whole world has changed to the point where it is no longer about human rights or equality or egalitarianism. It is about having the power to reach an audience. Every single one of us has an opinion, but not every single one of us has, for example, CNN. Not every single one of us has, for example, a podcast or the chance to express those ideas. So I really believe that if you want to somehow try to focus on, oh, I got human rights, man. I have the freedom of speech. I want to express my political ideas. Dude, if no one's listening to your political ideas, then it fucking means nothing. And your ideas will not change anything. We're living in a world of dataism, and power comes from the ability to share your information and ideas and not just to have those ideas or produce them, right? So human rights is under attack only when you have the rights but still can't do anything with it. The same thing goes with human life. For example, in the modern, think about America right now, where everybody exercises the, you know, the right of living and human rights is like one of the foundational rights for all humans. But think about all the gun violence that is now ripping the streets of New York City and New Jersey and Chicago. So we have the freedom to be alive. But when the system is so problematic, where we have so much gun violence and nobody does anything to regulate uh, basically arms and uh, guns because some NRA guy paid a lot of money to make Trump the president. In this condition, it doesn't matter if I have the rights to living. NRA, and by the way, those of us who don't know what NRA is, NRA is National Rifles Association, which is one of the biggest gun lobbyists in America. So if you have NRA putting billions of dollars to create ads so that people buy more guns and we have more deaths caused by guns, then dude, it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, what kind of freedom I have as a human being or what human rights I got to live. The same thing goes with freedom of speech. Yes, I do have the right to express my ideas, but if no one's listening, my ideas mean nothing. Every single one of us has a lot of opinions, but if we cannot share the opinions, it means nothing. So my question to you is right now, Pujix, what is the point of having human rights if it's not going to make any goddamn difference? What is the point of, of having human rights in terms of, let's say, I don't know, women equality? But even today, as of today, women make 75 cents for, for, for every dollar a man makes, right? So what's the point? What I'm saying is human rights is very nice in words. It's when it's been very nice when you write it down and then and you propose your grand grandiose ideas in United Nations headquarters. But in reality, from my perspective, human rights mean nothing these days. And I'm not just talking about countries that have a lot of problems. I'm talking about like, I don't know, Russia or Middle East here. I'm talking about the, you know, literally, I'm talking about the like New Jersey dude. I'm talking about like the United States. I'm talking about Canada. What's the point of having human rights? If you cannot exercise them and if there's nothing coming out of that, right? But you yourself, right? I mean, you talked a lot about human rights. I'm pretty sure that you're a huge advocate of human rights. But answer this question right now to me, Pujix. What's the point of having human rights if I cannot exercise them and if having them will not make my life any better or worse? Well, I think I agree with you and I disagree with you on some points. Uh, so let me start here. 
the uh, so first of all you are exercising by saying these words you are exercising your human rights to free speech somebody could shut you down here but they don't or, or at least not yet <laughs> and i do agree with you that we have a lot of problems i'm not going to deny that and denying it wouldn't help us either and it's not perfect uh, it uh, perhaps never will be perfect but more importantly it's very far from any uh, measurable degree that we would like to have but however we're not at the barbarianism and at the very zero either so i would want to appreciate that we are exercising a lot of those rights you're talking about for example uh, um, uh, gender equality and you're right we have a lot of problem on that front well we have solved a lot, a lot of them as well so it's not like it's all lost we have solved a lot and we have a lot more to solve and i agree with you and i do agree with you again with with it well we, we we touched the gun violence so I, I guess we have to talk as an american what are your thoughts on the second amendment i mean it, it, it seems obvious to me but let's let's be clear here so well let's talk about the second amendment right now okay first of all a lot of these you know right-wing idiots just take this second amendment i gotta say something right now i got my second amendment i want to use my guns i want to travel around god in fucking texas well these guys yes they got their second amendment right it's pretty cool and fine and nice but here's the fact. We do not need guns to protect ourselves in the modern world, dude. We have the police force. We have the, I don't know, the NSA and the FBI who are checking everything, tapping every phone and whatever. And from my perspective, this only creates problems for the rest of us because human rights, from my perspective, is like anything else. So long as your right does not infringe upon my right then everything is fine, right? But if it does not do that, then that's not right. That's just imposition. And again, human rights nowadays is subject to lobbyism and big money. And that is the biggest problem. That's what I told you earlier. The same thing goes with freedom of speech, man. Again, there are a lot of ideas that are not being heard because if you have the podium, let's call it Fox News podium, then you have a tremendous power over the, let's say, the senior members of society to express what is right and what is wrong. And because of this, I'm saying, yes, all of these rights exist. However, personally speaking, I think of the Second Amendment right now. It really, first of all, there can be a lot of great regulations regarding gun control that will remain constitutional and will uphold the American values. But still, in the end, it really comes down to lobbyism. I mean, during Obama administration, for example, we had a lot of discussion on how we could, for example, reduce the amount of bullets available and reduce the size of the magazines, goddammit. Like, make sure that the magazines that you have for your, well, basically, weapons are so low sized that no major mayhem can happen. But unfortunately, because of this human rights, because of the fact that there's Second Amendment and all of these uh, NRA lobbyists put billions in this issue, well, this now one, a lot of that voice cannot be heard. This part is an American right, though. It's not <laughs> no other country <laughs> cares about gun by, uh, sorry Second Amendment in America like the, the Americans. That's so. But, but I'm not sure. Like right in Canada, do you, do you guys have the right to actually carry arms? Bear arms? No. Not that's, at all. So it's awful. illegal. Yeah, yeah. It's civilian. That's, no, that's a exactly. normal situation. You see, yeah. Canada's getting ahead of America. Can you believe that? It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's a, that's also another question, which I'm going to get to in a second. But I want to close this gun because we, we are not here to talk about guns. But uh, uh, just to put it in perspective, like a lot of these people, I, I agree with you. In, in a modern society, we do not need, maybe uh, when it was uh, created, the, this amendment, it, it was actually very necessary. Otherwise, you couldn't possibly survive or something. But uh, you, you're right. But... Uh, to and I don't agree with this, but I want to uh, present this argument. Some of these people 
are actually afraid of governments having so much power and hence they want to exercise their uh, at least that's that's their argument uh, they want to exercise their second amendment what do you say to that you see first of all the government even the right wing they all believe that the government should be as small as possible right and in order to keep the government small there might be some other challenges so they're you know very much against regulation however here's the issue of human rights these guys want to protect their own rights by using force and arms and weapons, which brings me to the main issue of this show today. And that is the fact that human rights nowadays really isn't about being offered. It's about taking your rights. So this is a serious problem. We have right now, on the one hand, people who want to get their rights by force or by arms, if necessary. On the other hand, we have those who are passively waiting for the governments around the world to hand them their rights. But this is not going to happen which is why I really believe that we need to rethink the whole concept of human rights and understand that we need to approach this concept not with the help of governments, because unfortunately the governments will be the least efficient uh, organizations when it comes to human rights, because governments are the number one abusers of human rights all around the world, because I had the experience working in many different countries from all walks of life, all backgrounds, and different continents. And here's what I've realized, that the biggest abuser of human rights are nothing but the governments all around the world. Think of the US government right now and what they're doing basically, right? The government is shut down because of the goddamn wall that separates Mexico from America. Can you believe that? They shut down the government for the sake of a freaking wall, man. It's unbelievable. I don't know about uh, Canada, but I'm pretty sure that you guys are taxed so much, sometimes you don't even know how much money is left behind basically, right? Think of Europe, not much better off. So we need to, from my perspective, Take the concept of human rights away from governments and start using corporations, organizations, and even the private sector to promote cultural education and human rights education in order to actually practice them. Because if we want to be dependent on the U.S. government or the Canadian government or the European Union to help us achieve human rights, we will lack and we will stay far behind, which is why I believe that human rights should become a topic that is discussed by individuals and organizations and the private sector and not a matter controlled by the government because the government is not going to give you your rights so long as it's basically against their own interests, right? And because of this, I really believe that the right approach to human rights is an individualistic approach, not a collectivist approach. Uh, I agree with you that uh, governments have abused uh, human rights or uh, a lot of things, uh, honestly, uh, quite a lot. But I can't see how corporations are any better because, well, what if the human rights are against the corporation's benefits uh, or the shareholders' benefits? Wouldn't that be the There's same issue? There's a huge difference between corporations and governments because corporations are supposed to uh, concern themselves with a wide variety of groups simultaneously. And because of this, if there is in one part some damage, this will lower the overall efficiency of that system. Whereas, unfortunately, in uh, basically the governmental system, things aren't like that so much. There's a very uh, top-down approach to making decisions. And because of this, oftentimes, a lot of the voices aren't being heard. I mean, for Christ's sake, take a look at the example right now. I mean, Trump is now the president of the United States, even though more than half the Americans don't like him. Something like but, this can but, but a third of the Americans do Apple like him. Loses half of its customers. It'll go back. But the same thing cannot happen with politics. Because of this, I really believe that human rights should be a concept practiced by individuals and organizations, not governments.
wait, I'm, I'm not, I'm not denying, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't understand because if in a democratic system, it does matter if you lose half of your uh, audience or population or like uh, probably even more than Apple because, and I'll tell you, I mean, there might be a problem with the, it's, it's, uh, the electoral college that you lose half of, uh, you, you lose a popular vote, your opponent has more vote than you do, and you still get elected. That's a different issue. But in general, in a democratic system, it's the same issue. If you lose support, you, lo you lose your office. So it is important. So the voices do matter. And of course not. You can't compare. You see, the voice of the people in a, in a democracy, in a governmental system is heard only what? How many times per year or how many votes, right? Well, that's true. When it yeah. comes to free market, we are talking about live direct contact with every single one on a daily basis. And our objective is to satisfy the majority. There is a much bigger contact and there's a much uh, basically uh, more frequent form of communication between the private sector and the individuals versus the government. I mean, when was the last time you talked to the prime minister of Canada, buddy? And yeah, that was never. Uh, I, I think that was a pretty. That was a long time ago, probably. But 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 you also have never, right? but but you also have lower level politicians that you have your own. Uh, you know, the, I forgot what, what do you call it. So you basically you talk to your own representative, right? Uh, you don't necessarily have to talk to the president or the prime minister. Who when was the last time you talked to your representative? Well, that, of Toronto, that's on right? me. I could do it. I, I could do it. That's on me if I did it. And what makes you think that by just one person going and talking to one uh, Ontario, for example, governor or whatever, you're going to make any difference? But but or one person, but care. one person going to talk to an Apple store wouldn't make any difference either. Of course it does, because you can actually go on the Apple forum, start writing a lot of shitty articles, put a YouTube video, and boom, they're going to change this. I remember once uh, this was with American Airlines. This was a while back, of course, long time ago where this uh, basically gentleman, he was carrying his uh, violin. I remember that. It was violin or something. And he put it in his luggage and he, uh, he was carrying it. And then he basically landed. I believe it was somewhere in, somewhere around Atlanta or something. And uh, then as, as he got off the plane and then got his luggage, his entire violin, which was pretty expensive, by the way, was torn to pieces. It was like crushed, basically. And what did this guy do? Very simple. Took a video, put it on YouTube. And caused such a huge scandal that not only, uh, you know, American Airlines paid everything for the violin, whatever it is, actually offered an, a new ticket for free to go back to his hometown, right? What I'm saying is this. When, when we're talking about individual organizations whose primary concern is to help people and, of course, receive profitability in that regard, we are talking about people who care. But when it comes to human rights, once it's part of the political system, where people are dependent on governments because governments are the people who make the money, right? They can do whatever they want. But when it comes to the private sector, you now have the opportunity to actually be heard because now there's competition in human rights. Company X, for example, uh, discusses that this issue is much better for the people. Company Y discusses some other issues. And because of this factor, the issue of human rights becomes a lot more, first of all, prevalent. People start hearing about those things. And the concept won't just disappear. And more importantly, if there's something wrong, let's say the gun violence, right, is going up, uh, up for example. Now the voice of individuals who've, loved, who, who've uh, basically lost their loved ones in gun violence can be heard a lot more clearly, right? And there's a lot more incentive for these organizations to actually stand up for these people and to start to actually take measurable action to change human rights. But right now, 
individuals, we can't do anything. We can only hope that someday some political activist will do something, then sends a guy to a lot. Hopefully a lobbyist will then go to, uh, you know, let's say the Senate somewhere and starts talking and maybe something will happen. But this is not, of course, an efficient approach towards human rights. And quite frankly speaking, I don't really uh, believe that the current approach to human rights has any future from my perspective. Well, if the, if the trajectory is like this, yeah, it's not going to, but I'm, I'm hoping that we are bettering it. Uh, back to your point. I, it, it's a very interesting point, and I don't disagree with it. I don't agree with it because it's all new to me, so I'm just challenging it to try and think about it, and hopefully that helps our audience too. So now, putting all that aside, and let's let's uh, let's say, okay, all that good stuff, but how, how would you talk, how would you um, minimize or eliminate or, or justify the, the companies that the numerous amounts that have done very wrong uh, let's not go too far I mean Trump's businesses haven't been awfully awesome either and there were businesses and they had uh, to deal with customers he had university he had a, he had contractors who didn't he didn't pay all that good and he's still a businessman whether he's bankrupt or not um, that would be a different issue that we don't know but um, how would you? Well, no, I'm not talking about Trump, but in general, like you have pharmaceutical companies, private companies uh, that have done many wrongs. How would that work? First of all, I don't agree, I don't agree with the concept that uh, just because organizations have power, they can abuse their customers. Because generally speaking, you're right. Of course, there are many organizations who have abused basically their employees as well as customers, not just their customers. Uh, but ultimately, these companies do not have a good future. And ultimately, uh, I believe that when, once the concept of human rights becomes a matter of uh, basically individual discussion and not governmental discussion, then we have other organizations. Let's say there's a company that ensures my legal rights as well as my human rights. And there are 2,000 other companies who do this, the exact same thing, right? Kind of like a legal system, like a, like a law firm. In that concept, I do have the right to simply go somewhere else. And more importantly, this will put a pressure on the uh, organization because now it can actually put a very bad review about this uh, so-called uh, human rights organization that was actually abusing its own employees. And this will then create a, let's say, I'm going to create like a viral video put this entire organization's future in jeopardy. So because of this, I still, as a single individual, have a lot more room to maneuver than someone in the current system who has to hope and wait that maybe someday something will change by somebody. Oh, I'm going to leave a message. Oh, let me, let me call, uh, let me call, for example, my constituent. Let me call my, for example, mayor. Oh, hi there, mayor's office. Oh, please leave a message and we'll get back to you. Okay, well, I really believe we should have human rights. Boom, thank you very much. All right, that's it. This is not the right approach, man. It's not going to get anywhere. However, if I can see one guy who's talking to me individually to discuss my human rights, as well as my families and my organizations, now I can do something about it, which is why, again, we make this, and I'm, quite frankly speaking, I do not think that the matter of human rights can actually be handled by the private sector, but I'm creating this you know, absurd philosophy to make out uh, basically an argument. And that argument is only one thing. Unfortunately, human rights nowadays is not something that we can hope. We might be able to get it by force, or we can simply forget about it and just find a way to get what, what basically we're looking for without concerning us, ourselves with human rights. Because quite frankly speaking, again, we make this philosophical approach towards uh, getting human rights done, but it's not in the interest of any 
government around the world for us to have such dialogues mentioned among individuals and organizations and companies. And because of this, I really believe that the whole concept of human rights nowadays is just words, empty words and nothing more than that. Well, obviously, we have, I'm not saying all, always it's empty words, but we have seen, obviously, a lot of the uh, scandals around that, that uh, journalist in, in, uh, in um, uh, what do you call it, Saudi Arabia's embassy in Turkey being killed, I forgot his name. Great example. And then, not, well, almost no downfall, at least, like, not from the United States. By the way, which, which brings me to, brings us to the topic of what happened to the United, why do you think... A lot of other companies, sorry, countries, same, like still government based, have taken such a upper hand in maintaining the, the amount that they do of human rights uh, ahead of United States, who has been the champion of such a thing. What do you think has happened? What went wrong? Well, and, and, all, and this can... has nothing to do with uh, Trump and recent years, necessarily. It has started long ago, as you mentioned, with the wars in, in Middle East, etc. So yeah, Obviously. go ahead. You see, uh, that's the problem with politics, because in politics, we're talking about power, right? And power comes in a variety of forms, including land, military power, finance, economy. Obviously, since uh, the, the end of World War II, America has taken a major, uh, basically, heat towards uh, becoming a global leader. But as you can see, unfortunately, nowadays, thanks to Trump, that status has almost been uh, tarnished by the, you know, the Trump administration. So after World War II, when America actually became the global leader in all aspects, including the economy, science, education, and military, and many other factors, that is why, unfortunately, we have seen and witnessed a lot of such uh, uh, attacks on human rights by the U.S. government that actually promotes it. Uh, and the problem, of course, is in politics, we're talking about power here. And power, as you know, they say uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts Absolutely. So this is just the nature of politics and power. When power remains fixated and remains centralized and focused in one area, of course, there could be a lot of such challenges ahead and it could be almost out of control at some point. And you cannot deny the fact that the U.S. has been ahead in many aspects. You mentioned earlier about why the U.S. remained silent about that killing, whereas almost all global leaders in G20 actually blamed uh, the killing of that uh, Saudi journalist. And the answer is very simple. The answer actually came out literally yesterday uh, where we heard that uh, Trump asked uh, the Saudis to pay for re-establishment of Syria. You see, it's all about that. Like literally Saudi Arabia, okay, you're a bad boy, no problem. We're gonna get off from Syria and you will pay for Syrian and uh, Syrian stability, right? So. This is the nature that I don't like about uh, using human rights and letting governments to handle human rights, because ultimately the government's major focus is not necessarily human rights. The government's major focus is to maintain itself and its power. However, even though the same purpose exists among organizations, there's one huge difference. Governments can suppress their own people, whereas organizations cannot. Why is that? Because in business, in organization, in private sector, you need your clients. You can your, your clients can decide not to work with you and you can decide not to work with them. But in the end, you need them because you if you if you want to survive in the private sector, you got to satisfy the individuals. Otherwise, you'll go bankrupt. The same thing cannot be done with governments because governments print money. Governments create weapons and they have arms. They have nuclear arms. And recently I heard exactly today. 
that Russia is trying to actually start a new strategic weapon for itself. Now we have a new arms race between Russia and America again. Welcome back to the 20th century. Thank you very much, Trump. But ultimately, what you're saying now is this. Governments do not need their people. They can suppress their people. They can print their own money, make their own guns, and suppress them. They can demand taxes. The same thing cannot be done by individual organizations because they need to cooperate with uh, the private sector. They need to cooperate with clients and individuals in order to survive. And this is going to make a huge difference when it comes to human rights because human rights really is about individual rights, and that should be heard by every single individual, which is why I don't believe that governments will ever be able to handle the issue of human rights properly. Oh, very interesting. And in this blueprint that you have, oh, I, I'm naming it blueprint because I have no idea what to call it, but in this idea that you have uh, put forth, I mean, I know it's not perfect on your part. You have not thought about everything, of course, and that, I understand that. But in the broader picture of things, what is your view? What would be the role of the governments then? What would the governments do in this context? The government's job, from my perspective, in any country around the world, should be to maintain order and to maintain ethical practice by organizations. But ultimately, I believe that when it comes to the issue of human rights, because human rights, rights should be given. You see, the government can enforce laws but the government cannot give rights because we're talking about enforcing the law. So what, in my, from my perspective, the government should start enforcing the laws necessary for such organizations who will then listen properly to the opinions of individuals and then will then try to listen to the feedback and in order for them to be able to maintain and continue this path forward, they will then ask these, government, these organizations to provide the right information from every single individual who will then be able to create the new laws. Because now, unfortunately, we cannot do this. With the current system, we cannot do this. We cannot reach our senators and our representatives that easily. And if we do, it probably won't mean that much. And because of this, this will simply make the entire process more efficient and more importantly, takes corruption and biased approach and bipartisanship and all that stuff out of the issue and will allow us to actually, as individuals, know what our rights are, practice them. And I personally believe that if this issue was handled by the, you know, by the uh, private sector, now we would not have all of these deaths and murders caused by guns that should not be in the hands of most of these people, right? So because of this, this will, in the end, enhance and improve the transparency of this entire approach and will also allow us to... Uh, really know what our rights are and to actually be able to uh, make our voice heard. That's what I really want to hear because the current system, unfortunately, doesn't allow the individuals to even know their rights properly, nor does it actually help them to express their opinions about whatever the things that are not right. And in this context, when we go to uh, the notion of private sector, do you see very giant, powerful companies as an issue? I'll give you an example. In, in the tech industry, you can talk about Facebook and Google or in the uh, energy industry, you can talk about oil companies. Uh, do you see these kinds of companies that have enormous amounts of uh, wealth and they're really big and they have so much power as a problem as well or a potential problem or not necessarily? It, it, would they be basically an analogous to uh, the government or no? You see, an organization, private sector, no matter how large, they are still dependent on the feelings and the emotions of the people. The stock market not right now in the US, Wall Street right now is at its worst since the year 2011. 
There's a reason why. Because even though the White House doesn't give a damn about the current situation, the markets do react. I'm sure you heard about the recent major losses in the stock market in the right. U.S. I'm yeah. sure you heard about it. Yeah. And yeah. that's the beauty of the stock market. That's the beauty of the private sector. Because in that system, no matter how large you are, you're still a part of the system. You're not above it. The problem with human rights is this. Human rights cannot be practiced, nor taught, nor observed, nor supervised by an organization that is above the law. It must be practiced, done, and upheld with the, as members of the same system. Otherwise, it will never work, and it's just an empty word, basically, which is why I am not concerned about the size of the organizations that might actually promote human rights, because in the end, they're still part of the same system. And if they abuse their so-called power, they will pay for it, and they will pay for it dearly. But unfortunately, the same cannot be done or said about the government. And what are your, in a few words, what are your perspective on too big to fail with respect to companies? Well, first of all, too big to fail from my perspective. Now, fortunately, of course, uh, uh, the Obama administration took a lot of effort to make sure this doesn't happen. But too big to fail from my perspective is uh, not, an, from uh, my honest opinion, is not something that will actually occur if we apply the concept of human rights. Because too big to fail oftentimes implies massive amount of finances involved. And as you know, all around the world, there's been a lot of steps being taken recently all around the world to reduce and even at, at some point eliminate too big to fail uh, companies and organizations. But for now, obviously, I don't, I don't see any, any major issues or problem with respect to human rights when it comes to too big to fail because the, the very concept of having organizations that are too big to fail who are active in the field of human rights just to me just doesn't make any sense because in the end we're talking about promoting certain rights and helping individuals and not necessarily banking or other sectors. So I do not believe that too big to fail will ever apply to human rights. Very interesting. Obviously, this is a very uh, hot topic and it can't be all summarized in one episode, but we also have um, a degree of time limitation here. So I'm going to not expand on this and I'll let you finalize any any comments or anything that we didn't talk about you want to talk about. All right, man. You see, human rights from my perspective now, nowadays, basically, you have two options to realize that. Number one, you can actually hope that your I don't know, for example, uh, let's say a representative is going to make some changes in the future so that we can take that political activist approach towards the governmental entities and organizations, or you can do what I love the most, which is called, you know, spreading your eggs in different baskets. You see, human rights is practiced differently in its different areas in different countries. So, for example, we think when we think of human rights, we assume that like uh, one of the freest nations on earth would be somewhere, something like what? Uh, let's say Netherlands, right? So in Amsterdam, you have a lot more rights than you do have in New York City, for example, right? But what types of rights as human, as, as, as a, you know, an individual you have in, for example, let's say in New York City, that you do not have in Amsterdam. And that's about your taxations, right? So you do not have to spend all of your hard earned cash on, for example, the government, right? So for that reason, I really believe that if you want to take the most out of your human rights, then become international. Start investing or working or uh, basically move it around the world and put different eggs in different nations. That, from my perspective, first of all, makes you independent of any one country or government. And number two, it actually allows you 
to know your human rights by contrasting it with other countries. Because how could you know that, I mean, if you're an American, if you've lived in America your whole life, you have no idea that most nations, if not all, except for the U.S., do not allow guns to be carried by average individuals. That, that's only possible if you start living in Europe for a while, or I don't know, go to Canada, for example, or something. So the idea of living an international lifestyle, from my perspective, is the closest thing that one can come to realizing their human rights in the current system. Because if you are dependent on any one single government, I'm telling you right now, you do not have any human rights. Your human rights come into place once you go international, once you go offshore, once you start working with two, three, four, five, six countries, and once you start to uh, put your uh, human rights, the proverbial eggs of your human rights in different nations, only then you do have a chance to actually realize your human rights as an individual. Great talk, great talk. And unfortunately, we can't keep going like this. So we're going to have to come to this close. And thank you again for joining me, Dan. It's my pleasure, buddy. Uh, extraordinary. And thank you guys for listening in. Uh, if you had other uh, topics that you wanted to hear regarding the human rights or, or anything that we talked about, just leave us a comment. I know we didn't cover everything. That's uh, virtually impossible. So hope to see you some other time very soon. Take care.